It's time for Britney Spears, the woman in me. Let's get into it, right, guys. So there's a part here that I want to talk about. It's in uh, page six of the book, and uh, I didn't know this uh, story. I, I didn't know the backstory of uh, uh, Britney's grandfather from her father's side, uh, June Spears Sr. Um, he, yeah, it says he was very abusive towards Britney's grandmother. Um, Jean, and that's where Brittany's middle name of Jean came from, from her, her late grandmother. So I wanted to mention that really quickly, and uh, it, it makes sense as to uh, why uh, Jamie, Brittany's father, is the way he is. Because um, uh, the thing that's sad is that he, what his father did to him and his siblings, he, he's like, like brought down and kept in the family and, and done it out to his children. So it's just, uh, you know, it's. Obviously, it's a sad situation all around, but it was something that caught my eye. So I wanted to make sure to at least say a couple words about it. All right, guys. So another another part I want to talk about in the book is on page 21 and 22 uh, in chapter 4. Um, there's a part where Brittany's like, talking about her dad. And uh, she says, the saddest part to me was that what I always wanted was a dad who would love me as I was. Somebody who would say, I just love you. You could do anything right now. I'd still love you with unconditional love. And that really, obviously we, we know publicly everything that she's gone through with her dad, but for her to to read read this um in her book, just say, it, it makes you, you know, uh, realize like how to be like so grateful if you do have a father that loves you and, and it's always there for you no matter what. And I, I'm, you know, I, I'm, blessed to have a, a an amazing dad and uh yeah i just wanted to make sure to you know cover this really quickly because yeah it should kind of it should put into perspective like how grateful we should be if we have a father father figure whatever whatever it is because um like i said even though we we've known uh, everything that britney's father is under her um there's still more to the story and and her emotions are, and everything is still you know messed up to this day because of how she was raised and how she was treated from from when she was a baby so yeah all right guys so now i want to talk a little part about a little part i saw here and uh it's between page it's on page 31 and ends in page 32 it's about britney when she was on star search um kind of a i would say a disturbing set of questions that she received from the host of the show ed mcmahon so after a, a performance she had on star search the host, a grown man, uh, asked, uh, I believe, a 12-year-old Britney Spears, do you have a boyfriend? And she says, no. So he says, why not? And then Britney says, they're mean. He says, boyfriends? You mean all boys are mean? I'm not mean. How about me? She put, and then she says, well, it depends. And he said, I get that a lot. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that, that was, like, very disturbing to read. Um, it is just very creepy by Ed McMahon to be asking um uh, a child if uh she has a boyfriend and whether or not um he he could be her boyfriend and uh the fact that i was like allowed to be said by ed mcmahon on television is like speaks volumes as to the the creeps and the, the grossness uh, within hollywood so i wanted to make sure to cover that on here um uh, because i was definitely not not great to read about but there you go 
So the next part I want to talk about, it's also on page uh, 32. I never knew this, but Brittany, her first big uh, job offer or, or role offer in uh, the entertainment industry was in an off-Broadway musical called Ruthless. Uh, and I'm a big like Broadway fan. I never knew that Brittany um, has done uh, like anything in, like um, regarding Broadway. So that's pretty cool. As a little girl, her first uh, role came in an off-Broadway play. Um, I thought I would mention that. And uh, she was an understudy in the play, and then she said the other understudy was actually Natalie Portman. So how crazy is that? Like, one of the biggest singers of all time, one of the biggest actresses of all time, were both understudies as little girls on a on an off Broadway show. Like that, that'll be like really cool to talk about. All right, guys. So another cool um, thing I want to talk about here. This is in, in page thirty. It's pages thirty-four and thirty-five. Um, I, I never knew that Britney was a was a basketball player in school and she actually really enjoyed being a point guard on the basketball team and obviously you know we're the flame entertainment and sports so there's some sports involved i gotta mention it at least like really quickly but how cool is that <laughs> britney spears was a, a star point guard in uh, in school who would have thought <laughs> all right guys so another cool thing i wanted to talk about really quick so on page 37 um, it's Britney basically t uh, talking about how she landed a role on the Mickey Mouse Club uh, during her, her second go around um, and auditioning for the show. And she, I, I didn't know this, but she said they, they shot the show in Disney in Disney World here in Orlando. So um, obviously, you know, being a Miami guy and, and going to Disney World in Orlando so many times, it's just like so cool to think about like possibly being there and seeing Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake, Christina Aguilera. Carrie Russell, Ryan Gosling, like all filming a show, and she said like when <laughs> when they would have a break, they would all go ride rides together in the park. So I, I thought that was just so cool, and I, I imagine like myself being there and seeing like my generation, you know, busy channel people like like Miley Cyrus, the Jonas Brothers, Selena Gomez, Demi Lovato, that whole group. Like just imagine being you know a kid in Disney walking around, and all of a sudden you see your favorite uh, stars from Disney Channel just like riding rides and having fun. So I thought that'd be uh, really cool to talk about and. Another thing in, in this little part right here, now to move on to page 38. So Brittany, um, she mentions that during the filming of the show while they're in Orlando, uh, they got a call that, that her grandmother Lily had passed away, but um, they were unable to pay for a flight to go to go home for the funeral. Um, but Justin Timberlake's mother, Lynn Harless, uh, lent them the money and so and then they were able to go, you know, see, um, Go to the funeral of of, of, their, of her grandmother. So I thought that was really special to share, and uh, that's super nice of uh, Justin's mom to to have done uh, done that for Brittany and her family. All right, guys. So the next thing I want to talk about. Um, so this is on page forty nine and page fifty. Brittany's uh, saying a story um, about she, uh, how she was at a party one time, and uh, she was on the balcony, and she went. She was trying to go, you know, inside inside the house to uh, get the, the person she was there with. And uh, she mistakenly, like, she didn't realize there was a screen um, on the door and she ran like straight into it. But the reason I wanted to bring it up is because when I was little, like many years ago, um, my, my family and I were in Spain, like on vacation, and uh, we were walking into a mall. And I didn't, I, I thought the door was open, right, up to the mall. And I ran, I walked straight into the glass. So that just reminded me of my story in Spain. So me and Brittany have some similar stories uh, 
regarding that, so I thought it would, uh, that would be cool to talk about around here. Alright guys, so the next part I want to talk about is on page 71, and it's Brittany. I'm talking about her, her time as the youngest person to host and perform as a musical guest in an episode of Saturday Night Live. Um, she Her first time in it, she acted alongside Jimmy Fallon and Rachel Dretch, and um, and then she, the other time on the show, she acted alongside Amy Poehler. But uh, what I found really cool was that after her, her performances on Saturday Night Live, she was actually actually approached with an offer to be part of a, a Chicago the, the movie like the the when Chicago was made into a movie musical. Britney was actually offered a role, so I thought that'd be really cool to mention because obviously Chicago, one of the most uh, successful and beloved shows in Broadway history, and just imagine if, if Britney Spears was in the Chicago movie. Um, it's amazing to think about, and I thought it'd be really cool to share. All right, guys, uh, what I want to talk about next is really quick, actually, but as I mentioned Orlando earlier, uh, I thought I would mention it again now. On page 72, Britney is talking about like her, her relationship with Justin, but I had no clue that her and Justin actually owned the house together in Orlando, so I thought that'd be pretty cool to share with you guys. Alright guys. Right, guys, so the next thing I'm going to talk about is highly publicized already prior to the book being released But of course I thought I'd mention it quickly here um, I even mentioned it last week um, on the entertainment episode of the podcast But uh, it's on page 76 where Brittany reveals that uh, she had an abortion While her and Justin um, were a couple and, um, and yeah, it's just, you know, it's sad to read about uh, like I said, obviously, like it, it's been publicized already since last week um, uh, from some tabloids, from like People Magazine and Us Weekly and stuff like that. But I thought I'd, you know, share about it here. So, yeah, it's on page 76. And um, wait, where's the line here? I want to read a line. Oh, yeah, a couple lines. She says, to this day, it's one of the most agonizing things I have ever experienced in my life. And then, okay, a couple, one more thing I want to read. So she put, I kept crying and sobbing until it was all over. It took hours and I don't remember how it ended, but I do 20 years later. Remember the pain of it and the fear. So yeah, I thought I'd you know, talk about that really quickly, obviously. Sad all around for Brittany uh, at the moment. And then like she says, even 20 years later, she's still traumatized by it. Uh, also, yeah, it's just sad all around, but you know, I had to mention it because it has been uh, talked about already um, in the media. So there you go. And that was on page 76 and 77, by the way. All right, guys. So the next thing I want to talk about here in the book is on page 83. And it's uh, Brittany, like, you know, following the, her, her breakup with Justin. Um, I'm going to read a couple of lines here. So it says, part of what made that period of time so difficult is that Justin's family had been the only real loving family I had. For holidays, the only family I would go to was his. I knew his grandmother and his grandfather. And I loved them so much. I thought of them as home. My mom would come out and visit us every once in a while, but she's not who I went home to ever. So yeah, I mean, pretty powerful stuff there um, from Brittany regarding Justin's family and her family. So I thought I'd uh, you know talk about that really quickly. All right, guys. The next part I want to talk about here is on uh, pages 86, 87, and 88, and it's Brittany talking about uh, the struggle she was going through after Justin. Uh, came out with multiple songs following their breakup 
and specifically with Crimea River, which of course became one of Justin's like uh, biggest hits in his career. Uh, he, she says what hurts, what, what hurt her the most throughout that time was that Justin kept uh, calling her out for cheating on him and and you know being the one that, that caused the, the end of the relationship when in reality she says that Justin was the one that would cheat on her. She does admit in the in the book that during their relationship she kissed Wade Rod, Rodson one time, but that was the only time that she cheated on him and that Justin was cheating on her multiple times throughout the relationship and. Uh, yeah, she just said it was a very tough time whenever she would go to a public place. She even gives a, an example, her and Jamie Lynn going to a Lakers game. She said the whole arena was booing her, and it was right, right during the time that he released Crimea River. So, uh, obviously, you know, that's that's a, a part, a section of the book that I know a lot of people would be interested in, so I thought it would be, like, smart to cover it on, uh, on today's show. All right, guys, the next thing I want to talk about is, in, is on page 92, and... Um, is Brittany basically talking about how so many times that she's always been scared to, to speak up because she's um, been afraid that people would judge her and call her crazy. So I want to read a couple of lines here that stood out to me. Once again, it's on page 92. There have been so many times when I was scared to speak up because I was afraid somebody would think I was crazy. But I've learned that, that lesson now the hard way. You have to speak the thing that you're feeling even if it scares you. You have to tell your story. You have to raise your, your voice. And I think uh, Brittany worded that perfectly all right guys so this next thing i want to talk about is is very quick but i thought it was very cool to share so it's on page 96 of the book and uh it's Brittany. there's a, a around a four month period in her life where following all the whole justin breakup and everything like that she was living in new york in a penthouse um and uh for around that, yeah for that four month period she was really just staying home she wasn't really going out into the city to restaurants or you know to gyms or nothing but um one of the times that she did leave the building um let me read that line for you because uh, she she ran into someone who uh, one of my favorite actors or comedians and a, a beloved figure so let me share the story really quickly so Brittany writes one of the only times i did a man behind me on an elevator said something that made me laugh i turned around and it was robin williams um, so yeah, Robin Williams, of course, like I said, one of the most beloved figures in, in, of all time. So I thought it'd be really cool to share. And I can only imagine, uh, imagine like seeing Britney Spears and Robin Williams in the, in the same room. Uh, that sounded super cool. So I thought I'd share it with you guys on here. All right, guys. So what I'm going to talk about now is on pages 97, 98, 99, and 100. So it's basically, it's Britney. I just mentioned before, like, Brittany was living for a couple months in a penthouse in New York and not really going out or, like, hanging out with people. But she says one of the people that did, one of the rare guests that visited her was, was uh, Madonna. And she said that Madonna, to this day, has had an incredible impact on her. And, uh, yeah, I thought I would mention that, you know, because it sounded really cool to have a, it kind of reminds me as a sports fan of a, kind of a, let's say, in the NBA, when you have, like, a veteran player. Um, who's at, uh, towards the end of his career and then his team drafts a couple of rookies and you know the veteran mentors the rookies and helps them out that's kind of what it reminded me of here so I thought uh, you know it'd be really nice to share alright guys so the next thing I want to talk about here is on page 104 and, and page 105 it's Brittany talking about the time when she did the, that famous sit down interview with Diane Sawyer um, revolving around you know her breakup with Justin and 
it's man it's just it's sad to read um, but basically Brittany was forced to do that interview by her father and three other men who she didn't really recognize at the time they uh, basically bursted into her New York um, penthouse from one day to another and they let her know that, that the following day that Diane Sawyer would be coming in to interview her uh, about Justin so I thought I would share that of course like I've said multiple times we all know what her dad has done to her throughout her whole life but it's just to read about it in detail from Brittany herself is just even more powerful and just yeah it's obviously ter terrible to read to hear about everything she's gone through but she should be so proud of her vulnerability and really sharing with the world everything she's gone through and uh yeah all right guys the next part i want to talk about is on page 108 and it's um so immediately following you know uh, the sit down interview with diane sawyer uh britney said well, she kept being asked repeatedly like what she what was next for her and she said that during that time she felt that let me read it here I told interviewers uh, again and again that what I wanted most was some time to myself. I started to dream about finding true love and settling down. I felt like I had been had, like I had been missing out on life. But unfortunately, um, due to you know the control of her parents, her dad, whatever you want to call it, immediately after this, Brittany was once again on the road. So there you go. All right, guys. So the next thing I want to talk about on page 110, 111, and 112. It's Brittany first bringing up Kevin Federline, who of course is a, the father of her two sons. And, uh, and yeah, so basically she kind of, you know, talks about how like how they met while he was working at a club called Joseph's Cafe in Hollywood. But the main thing I want to mention here that Brittany brought up was the fact that while, they're, while they're, they're, they began their relationship or hanging out, whatever you want to call it, um, Kevin at the time, uh, had had a child and his ex-girlfriend was eight months pregnant with a, with his second baby and unfortunately Brittany had no idea as she says in, in the last line here so a number was done on me obviously I had no idea but yeah, I thought that'd be like interesting to bring up on here all right guys so the next thing I'm gonna talk about is on page 114 it's Brittany quickly mentioning uh, about the time when Jamie her of course her sister Jamie didn't landed a, a huge deal with Nickelodeon so of course uh, uh, had her landing the role of Zoe uh, Zoe 101 and uh, there's a line here that says I was happy for her seeing her learning her lines and doing wardrobe fittings reminded me that I would have loved to have a job that was more like the cozy world of children's television the reason really that I, I just read that line um, regarding her like seeing Jamie you know learning her lines is because Lane Knapper um, who of course I've had on the on the show and who's a, who's a great guy that I've stayed connected with now over the years and he was great to me and Brandon when we had him on the show and he actually inspired us to change the name to the flame entertainment and sports he was actually the dialogue coach on zoe 101 so i wanted to make sure to shout him out on here so yeah shout out to you lane and uh yeah man check out this uh check out britney's book man because hey, it's pretty cool i thought of you right away <laughs> all right guys the next thing i want to talk about is on page 117 where britney publicly uh, issues an apology to uh, Alexa Nicholas for those of you that don't know Alexa Nicholas was a co-star of Jamie Lynn Spears on Zoe 101 and um, a couple seasons into the show she was booted off due to uh, Jamie and her not getting along and uh, there's a famous story that Alexa has shared about her time on the set in which um, Jamie told Brittany that Alexa had been bullying her 
and one day um in a in a what do you call it in a trailer prior to filming uh britney came in and started yelling at alexa and then years later britney found out that jamie had made made that all up and that alexa had never bullied her and uh and like um, alexa has stated that britney has like privately you know apologized to her via social media and now she does it again in her book so i thought that'd be a, that'd be cool to share and uh also shout out to Alexa Nicholas. Um, yeah, make sure to go check out all her stuff that she's doing and uh, trying to stop all the predators in Hollywood. Doing an amazing, amazing job and, uh, and yeah, she's someone to look up to for sure. So yeah. All right, guys, I want to read um, a line here that Brittany says in page 124 of her of her book, and it's uh, regarding fame. So it says, but fame. That world isn't real, my friends. It's not real. You go along with it because, of course, it's going to pay the family's bills and everything. But for me, there is an essence of real life missing from it. I think that's why I had my babies. And something else here I wanted to, to read. Okay, so getting awards and all that fame stuff, I liked it a lot. But there's nothing lasting in it for me. What I love is sweat on the floor during rehearsals or just playing ball and making a shot. I like the work, I like the practicing. That has more authenticity and, and value than anything else. Yeah, I thought that, that was some very powerful stuff there. Um, one of the most famous people of all time um, saying her, her truth about what fame really is. So, and yeah, I just think it was another powerful line that I wanted to mention out here um, from Brittany's book. All right guys, so the next thing I wanna talk about is on page 129. And it's when Brittany and Kevin, um, when they they had a, a house in LA, they lived um, close to um, Olivia Newton John, who of course is most known for her role as Sandy in Grease, and that's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I'm a huge Olivia Newton John fan, so I thought it'd be cool to share that. And uh, I'm gonna say something that Brittany wrote here. So it says, "I'd see her and call out, Hi Olivia Newton John, how are you, Olivia Newton John?" <laughs> So it was so funny. Brittany's like all of us, you know? Like, just a fan. <laughs> it's so cool. But I thought it'd be uh, nice to share that around here. Alright, guys. What I'm going to talk about next is on page 130 and page 131. So the first thing here, I'm going to read a couple of lines about Brittany and uh, what it was like for her to have children. So it says, It was my dream to have children and raise them in the coziest environment I could create. To me, they were perfect, beautiful everything I'd ever wanted. I wanted to give them the world, the whole solar system. Next up, another another thing I want to talk about here. Um, so she talks about um, how, um, basically how when her, her kids were born, she kind of um, felt a, a part of her um, in, in them. Like once they were not in her stomach anymore, and um, she said the same thing happened to her when she was younger, um, like when Jamie Lynn was born. So basically this is what she says. I've heard that this happens to parents, especially if you have trauma from your childhood. When your kids get to be the age you were, when you're dealing with some something rough, you, relive, you re relive it emotionally. Um, and then another thing here that I thought was just amazing and is Brittany speaking about mental health. So here we go. Unfortunately, there wasn't the same conversation about mental health back then that there is now. I hope any new mothers reading this who are having a hard time will get help early and will channel their feelings into something more healing 
than white marble floors because I know now that I was displaying just about every symptom of perinatal depression, sadness, anxiety, fatigue. So yeah, I wanted to especially share that last part too because it's so cool um, for someone like Brittany with such a huge, um, what do you call it, a huge space, a huge platform to really, you know, get truthful about her mental issues following, or mental complications and, and depression following, you know, giving birth. So I thought that was really cool and I think it's going to help a lot of women out there. So once again, Brittany uh, being the, the badass that she is. So I had to make sure to share that once again. That, that was on page 130 and 131. All right, guys. Uh, what I'm going to talk about next occurs on page 137 and let me see, yeah, 137, 138, and 139. So it's basically Brittany talking about the time in which her and Kevin were going through a divorce, Kevin Federline, that is. And um, basically, uh, I want to kind of read some lines here um, about what. Brittany describes as what she envisioned um, during her wedding day with Kevin. So she says, when I married Kevin, I meant it with all my heart. If you look into my eyes and my wedding photos, you can see it. I was so in love and so ready for a new phase of my life to start. I wanted babies with this man. I wanted a cozy home. I wanted to grow old with him. And just hearing that and uh, seeing what she's still gone through to this day, it just like breaks your heart even more because she's always seemed like such an amazing person and to hear that and we, we could always tell that she just wanted a you know a family and she's wanting to grow old with someone and for her to like state this now and uh it's just crazy um but i wanted to make sure although it is like you know hard to read it's uh, i wanted to make sure to mention it and another thing um she following that she kind of compares kevin to justin so this is what she says looking back i think that both justin and kevin were very clever they knew what they were doing and i played right into it that's the thing about this industry i never knew how to play the game i didn't know how to present myself on any level so yeah i thought that'd be you know important to share all right guys next up i want to talk about page 141 and sorry <laughs> page 141 one, one and 142 and 143 okay so this is Brittany talking about how during this whole rough patch uh, you know following uh, her divorce from Kevin Federline that one of the only people that was there for her and really like helped her out and took her out of her depression was Paris Hilton and I'm also a huge fan of Paris Hilton so it's just so cool to hear that about Paris and uh uh, yeah, she said, so let me read some lines here. So she said, one of the people who was kindest to me when I really needed kind kindness was Paris Hilton. So much of America dismissed her as a party girl, but I found her elegant, the way she posed on the red carpet, and always had an arched eyebrow when anyone was mean about her. And then another thing I want to talk about here. So it says, do you know what Paris and I did that, supposed, that supposedly crazy night everyone made such a big deal about when we went out with Lindsay Lohan? We got drunk. That's it. Um, so yeah, I, I thought that'd be cool to, to share. Um, and of course, we all know that iconic photo of Paris, Brittany, and Lindsay leaving a, a Hollywood club. But there you go. I thought that was some pretty cool stuff to, to share. Alright guys, so what I'm going to talk about next is on page 148 and page 149. So it's, it's Brittany talking about the time where, of course, a very public moment where she shaved her, shaved her head. And uh, basically... She explains here that the reason she did that 
was because she hadn't been allowed to see her, her sons for weeks and weeks um, as Kevin Federline was not letting her see them, see uh, see their kids and uh, she said this was basically like a big F you to, to the world, to, to Kevin, to her parents and uh, that she was just like angry, you know, that she wasn't allowed to see her children which of course is totally understandable and uh, I think a, a really cool line I'm going to read now that just emphasizes of how much Brittany has always wanted a family and it, here we go okay says that's the closest all my most special moments in life were taking naps with my children that's the closest I've ever felt to God taking naps with my precious babies smelling their hair holding their tiny hands alright guys I want to read a quick line here it's on page 167 and in this part of the book, Brittany's talking about when she got put under the conservatorship by her dad and by Lou Taylor. Um, but this is a line that really stands out to me. So it says, I'm a five foot four inch pop singer who calls everyone sir and ma'am. They treated me like I was a criminal or predator. Uh, that was very powerful and I thought I should share here on the show. Alright guys, so really quick, someone I just mentioned and the last part was Lou Taylor. Like I said, was a co-founder, a co-anchor, alongside Jamie Spears, um, in which started this conservatorship to control Britney's life and career and etc., etc. But basically, Lou Taylor, she's someone who's very well known, specifically I would say in the blind item world. Um, she's not really talked about within the, the news media or like you know the yeah the like mass media, whatever you want to call it. But Lou Taylor. Is someone who allegedly or is not a good person and to this day somehow celebrities are are okay with with her managing their careers even after everything she put Britney through and it's just very disheartening and to me it shows kind of an evilness not just to her obviously she has a lot of evilness but as well as like some of the celebrities who have decided to hire her as, uh, as their respective uh, managers. Um, one of them actually shocked me. Um, it happened, I believe, maybe a year ago at this point, or maybe a couple months ago, you know, time flies. So sometimes it's hard to remember and everything happens, but Megan Trainer, the singer, um, she recently hired Lou Taylor as her manager. Um, and that was very shocking to me in general because like Megan Trainer, I've always been a huge fan of her and it was just very shocking. I remember even on a podcast, um, she was asked about you know the connection between Britney and Lou Taylor and she kind of said like oh, she, she kind of didn't respond uh, a lot of people think maybe an NDA or something um, that Lou made her sign which she can't talk about Britney but yeah it's very disheartening like I said to see Megan Trainer. it's not just her there's others who are managed by her but she's the one that really the most notable one that comes to my head and um, some other people um, are more well known people that are still connected with her or friends with her which is crazy is uh like chris jenner kim kardashian i know they're allegedly close with lou taylor uh, like i said she's not a good person um yeah it was her and britney's father that did this to britney and uh, i wanted to make sure to share that on here because like i said this is just really known in the blind item world but not like she's not talked about publicly uh, so you already know with the fake news and you know how it goes but yeah I had to mention that on here at least I, I'm gonna talk about it you know I'm not gonna hold back and I wanna say the truth on here and expose bad people you know so yeah alright guys so I wanna talk about now some powerful stuff here 
re re revolving um, time in which Britney shaved her head that whole um, era or yeah that whole time of her life basically uh, her in the book she kind of describes how it felt to have her mother write a book and making money off of Britney's like trauma and all the tough times she was going through um, a couple of lines I'll read here she says my mother was telling Meredith Vieira on the Today Show that she spent hours wondering how things went so wrong with me on another show the audience clapped when she said my sister was pregnant at 16 that was classy as shit apparently because she was still with the father yes how wonderful she was married to her husband and having a baby at 17 they're still together great it doesn't matter that she's a child having a child I was in one of the darkest times of my life and my mom was telling the audience, oh yeah, and here's Britney. Um, but yeah, basically, you know, it's another sad thing to read about and uh, it kind of, you know, like really, obviously Britney's father and Lou Taylor, like I said, are the main two in starting the conservatorship, but as Britney um, expresses here in her memoir, it seems as if um, her mother, uh, Lynn Spirit, played an even bigger role than people actually knew about or or even assumed so there you go all right guys now i'm going to read some things from pages 174 and 175 um so this is right when the conservatorship happened and um yeah i'm going to read some some things so here we go at my house my father took over my little study in my bar area and turned it into his office. There was a bowl there that had a bunch of receipts in it. Yes, here's my confession. I was so nerdy that I kept all my receipts in a bowl. Each week I would add up my expensive old school style to keep track of my deductions for taxes. Even when I was going through a wild spell, the fundamentals of who I was as a person were still there. To me, that bowl of receipts were, was proof that I was still capable of managing my affairs. I knew musicians who did heroin, got in fistfights, and threw TVs out of hotel windows. Not only didn't I steal anything or hurt anyone or do hard drugs, I was keeping track of my tax deductions. Not anymore. My father shoved aside my bowl of receipts, setting up his things on the bar. I just want to let you know, he said. I, I call the shots. You sit right there in that chair and I'll tell you what goes on. I looked at him with a growing sense of horror. I'm Britney Spears now, he said. So obviously, um, it gets tougher and tougher to read all these things. Um, like I said, obviously we've known all these years. Um, well, Brit some things that Brittany has gone gone through, but now hearing it from her perspective and her adding all the real details and not just hearing it from the news media speaks uh, even more volumes of to, uh, of, as to how hard everything uh, she's gone through has been. More things here I want to read. Pages 187 and 188. And it's Brittany uh, once again talking about how terrible her, fa her father uh, treated her. If I thought getting criticized about my body in the press was bad, it hurt even more from my own father. He repeatedly told me I looked fat and that I was going to have to do something about it. So every day I would put on my sweats and I would go to the gym. I would do little bits of creative stuff here and there, but my heart wasn't in it anymore. As far as my passion for singing and dancing, it was almost a joke at that point. Feeling like you're never good enough is a soul-crushing state of being for a child. He drummed that message into me as a girl and even after I'd accomplished so much, he was continuing to do that to me. You ruined me as a person. I wanted to tell my father, now you're making me work for you. I'll do it, but I'll be damned if I'll put my heart into it. So yeah, some more tough details there um, regarding 
the way Brittany's father treated her. All right, guys. I want to read some stuff here on page 189. Again, Brittany talking about her time in the conservatorship. The thing was, I accomplished a lot during that time when I was supposedly incapable of taking care of myself. In 2008, I won more than 20 awards, including a cosmopolitan, cosmopolitan, sorry about that, Ultimate Woman of the Year award. <laughs> At the VMAs, just one year after I had been mocked for my Gimme More performance, I won three Moon Men. My video piece of me won every category I was nominated in, including Video of the Year. I thanked God, my sons, and my fans for standing by me. I sometimes thought that it was almost funny how I won those awards for the album I made while I was supposedly so incapacitated that I had to be controlled by my family. The truth was, though, when I stopped to think about it for very long, it wasn't funny at all. So, yeah, a couple things there I wanted to mention. Page 189. All right, guys. What I'm going to talk about now is on page 203 and page 204. I didn't know this, but during... What? One of the years of the conservatorship, Brittany actually began to teach uh, dance dance class to some kids at a studio, um, and uh, a pretty a couple pretty cool things here that I want to read. So it says that was okay. What is it? Sorry, let me. Okay, one thing that brought me so, so solace and hope during the time when I was in Vegas was teaching dance to kids at a studio once a month, and I loved it. I taught a group of 40 kids then back in LA, not far from my house, I taught once every two months. That was one of the most fun things in my life. It was nice to be in a room with kids who had no judgment. In the conservatorship, people were always judging everything I did. And another thing I wanted to put here, one day one day there I did a turn and accidentally bonked a tiny little girl in the head with my hand. Baby, I am so sorry, I said. I felt so bad that I got on my knees in front of her, I pulled a ring off my finger one of my favorite rings and gave it to her while begging her forgiveness. Miss Brittany, it's fine, she said. You didn't even hurt me. I wanted to do anything I could to let her know that I cared if she was in pain and that I would do whatever it took to make it up to her. Looking up at her from my knees on the dance studio floor, I thought, wait a minute, why are the people who are charged by the state with my care not as half as interested in my well-being as I am in this little girl's? So yeah, just some more powerful words there by Brittany and I had to make sure to share it and it just continues to show her the caring heart and the uh, nurturing figure um, that she is. All right, guys, right now I wanna read a couple of lines here from pages 212 and 213. Um, so this is Brittany talking about um, her father, uh, Robin, and uh, yeah, the whole conservatorship, so here we go. I read after the conservatorship that my father and Robin at Lou Taylor's company, TriStar, I've been involved with the security team they hired, Black Box, and monitoring and reviewing calls and texts coming out of and going to my cell phone, including private texts from my boyfriend, my lawyer at the time, and my own kids, and worse, that my father even had a bug put in my home, and my own home. This was all part of their control. But yeah, more sad stuff there, but I keep saying it's just incredible the vulnerability Brittany's showing by revealing all this truth. Um, of course, I know she's been wanting to do this for a while, but now that she had the chance, the fact that she's doing it, uh, it's just uh, huge and just speaks of that, how, how vulnerable and how strong she is. So I wanted to make sure to share that. All right, guys, what I'm going to read next is like extra tough. So just uh, I give like a trigger warning. It's on page 232 and page 233. So it says, for years I'd, I'd been on Prozac, but in the hospital, they took me abruptly off of it and put me on lithium. 
a dangerous drug that I did not want or need and that makes you extremely slow and lethargic. I felt my concept of time morph and I grew disoriented. On lithium, I didn't know where I was or even who I was sometimes. My brain wasn't working the way it used to. It wasn't lost on me that lithium was a drug my grandmother, Jean, who later committed suicide, had been put on in Mandeville. So, like I said, sorry, I know that was, like I said, I gave a trigger warning. Obviously, it just keeps getting sadder and sadder, but I just thought that was an important topic and issue and important information for you all to know. Alright, guys, so I'm going to read something else now. It's from 236, and uh, the last line might be my, one of my favorite or my favorite lines in the book. So, here you go. God must have been with me through that period of time. Three months into my, my confinement, I started to believe that my little heart, whatever made me Brittany, was no longer inside my body anymore. Something bigger must have been carrying me through because it was too much for me to bear alone. Now here comes my favorite part. I look at, at the fact that I survived and I think that wasn't me, that was God. And why I love it so much is because I use that a lot. I, I really believe uh, like a lot of things that happen, I always say that. That's all God. So it's just beautiful to see Brittany, especially after all the rough things she's gone through um to realize that yeah, god is with her and that's why she's still with us today um of course along with her strength and her resiliency but also you know god uh, has been with her part of her uh, journey so i had to make sure to get that in there all right guys i'm gonna read a pretty powerful moment that happened to Brittany while she was in uh, it's a, a quote-unquote mental facility on page it's on page 239 and uh here we go several weeks into my stay i was struggling to stay hopeful when one of the nurses the only one who was real as hell called me over to her computer look at this she said i peered at her computer and tried to make sense of what i was seeing it was women on a talk show talking about me and the conservatorship one was wearing a hashtag free britney t-shirt now we move to 240. The nurse showed me clips of other things too. Fans saying they were trying to figure out if I was being held somewhere against my will, talking about how much my music meant to them and how they hated to think I was suffering now. They wanted to help. And just by doing that, they did help. Other things the nurse was seeing, everyone at the hospital was seeing too. The doctor eventually noticed that people around the world were asking why I was still locked up. It was all over the news. And then she mentions, no way. The same way I believe that I can sense how someone's feeling in Nebraska, I think my connection to my fans helped help them sub subconsciously know that I was in danger. We have a connection no matter where we are in space. Even if you're on the other side of the country or the world, on some level we're bound up together. Fans of mine, even though I hadn't said anything online or in the press about being confined, they just seemed to know. Um, so I, I just thought that was super powerful. To, um, and I want to shout out, obviously, I don't know the name of the nurse, but thank god that Brittany at least had i'll call her that that nurse i'll call her an angel from god and god Brittany at least had an angel in there that god provided and, and look she was able to lift herself up uh, thanks to that nurse showing her all the love and support she was receiving from her fans worldwide all right guys so i want to talk quickly uh Brittany mentions jamie lynn a couple times uh, in her book and uh yes yeah, like pretty shocking stuff to me I know to most of you it won't be because you got it I know a lot of people um aren't super big fans of Jamie uh I, I've always tried to give her the benefit of the doubt and but here we go okay so this is on page 244 
Okay, says. Okay, this is Brittany talking about talking about Jamie Lynn. She really found her mojo. I was happy for her. At the same time, I didn't particularly want to be around it just then. Oh my God, I have this great, I have this really great idea for me and you. She'd say after coming back from yet another meeting as I leaned practically comatose against the countertop. Get this, a sister talk show. Every time she spoke it, it was a new scheme, a sitcom, a rom-com. She talked for what felt like hours at a time while I looked at the floor and listened. And the phrase echoing around my head was, what the F is going on? So yeah, I thought I'd mention that part. And uh, yeah. So yeah, just to clarify, those were, that was from page 244 and page 245. All right, quick line here. Another one of my favorites from Brittany on page 248 um, as well. So the line is, laughter is the cure for everything and the reason i wanted to point that out on here is because every time i'm talking to my friends my family i'm, I'm always saying like we, we all gotta laugh if not like we'd all go crazy and we're all crazy in our own ways of course but imagine a world with no laughter i, I don't even want to think about that so i just think it's amazing that even after all these uh struggles she's gone through that britney realizes that laughter is so important um and once again i'll repeat the line Laughter is the cure for everything. I just, I love it. <laughs> and once again, that was on page uh, 248. All right, guys, I'm gonna read a quick line here. Very powerful line from page 258. And it's uh, regarding the end of Britney's conservatorship. So it says, under their control, I stopped believing in God for a while. But then when it came to, came time to end the conservatorship, I realized one thing, you can't F with a woman who knows how to pray, really pray. All I did was pray. And uh, yeah, I just think another powerful um, uh, quote there by Brittany, and uh, I, I totally agree with her. So I wanted to, you know, emphasize it on here as well. Uh, the power of prayer is real. Um, yeah, it's another yeah, amazing, another amazing uh, statement here by Brittany in her book. Uh, once again, that was on page 258. All right, guys, I have a couple of other lines here that it really hit me and just, <laughs> it's incredible how much powerful stuff that Brittany uh, was able to put into this book. This comes from page 262 and it says, anything that gets your heart rate up is good. Music is that plus a connection to God. That's where my heart is. Just incredible. Music and God, heart, work, heart rate up. She had mentioned they like, working out and stuff too. And wow. Yeah, I can't get over <laughs> how, how amazing uh, Britney, Britney Spears is. I, I've known that for years, of course. I'm not saying, oh, breaking news. Obviously, we've known that. And if you didn't know, I, I don't know what to tell you. But it's just incredible. Like, page after page, line after line, I'm just, like, amazed by her. So, yeah, I had to mention that. Once again, that was on uh, page 262 of, the, of her memoir. All right, guys, I'm going to read a couple of lines here. Some uh, more great stuff from Britney Spears, so. This is on page 264 and page 265. Pushing forward in my music career is not my focus at the moment. Right now, it's time for me to try to get spiritual, to get my spiritual life in order, to pay attention to the little things to slow down. It's time for me not to be someone who other people want. It's time to actually find myself. As I've gotten older, I like my alone time. Being an entertainer was great, but over the last five years, my passion to entertain in front of a live audience has lessened. I do it for myself now. I feel God more than I feel God more when I'm alone. 
I'm no saint, but I do know God. So yeah, I just love all the mentions of God here by Brittany, and I gotta continue sharing that for y'all. Um, once again, I was on page 264 and 265. All right, guys, so one more line to read for the final line of Britney Spears' memoir. Thank you to my fans. You have my heart and my gratitude forever. This book is for you. And as I close the final page of Britney Spears, The Woman in Me, I just want to say Britney Spears is powerful resilient and a beautiful woman god bless you Brittany. i'm so happy you're free i wish you nothing but the best and it was an absolute honor to hear your truth thank you